Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. We have a traveling episode because Stephen's on the road, but we are getting together as best we can, given the circumstances. Uh, first of all, how's yep. your trip going? Oh, it's good, man. Just, uh, you know, driving along 71, so, um, yeah, nothing of, nothing of note to this point. Let's hope it stays that way. Um, I'm bummed we couldn't get together this week because you've been very busy, and I have not. Um... But the midterm elections have come and gone. The state of Ohio really let me down, in my opinion. Um, I was really disappointed that Tim Ryan lost to J.D. Vance, who I consider to be something of a buffoon. I don't think we disagree on that. No, we don't. Um, you know, I, I like J.D. Vance represents, I think, a lot of what is wrong with politics. Um, and I just don't, don't think he's a good Senate candidate. Uh, I mean, he's got, he, like, literally, legitimately has a bad track record um, of just being disingenuous uh, with some of the things that he's done, both inside and outside of politics. But, uh, you know, he, he won. The one thing I would want to talk about with Tim Ryan is the narrative on him. You know, a lot of people saying, oh, Tim Ryan didn't spend enough time amongst you know, in the urban core, you know, amongst black people. We didn't see him in enough black churches, which, I mean, okay, whether he did or he didn't, I think is not really, uh, not really, it doesn't really matter. Um, because if you look at where Tim Ryan won, right, he won Cuyahoga County, he won Franklin County, he won Cincinnati. So he won Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, um, he didn't win Mahoning County, and that he didn't really win many many counties outside of that in Ohio. And I think a big part of that is like if you look at the state, like where he won, he actually won the urban centers, right? But he didn't win, you know, farmland, and he didn't win, you know, like the areas that are mostly white, right? I mean, so I just think it's really interesting the narrative that's being put out about Tim Ryan, what he did and didn't do. And it's overall impact, right? Like, I mean, because whether he goes to those black churches or not, he still won those counties uh, where, you know, that are majority black and dominated, right? Like, so to say he didn't spend time there, well, it seems like he really didn't need to. Um, and it just seems like he just wasn't going to win uh, a lot of these places that are that, that Ohio has just proven to be a red state. And not particularly bright one either. Uh, just the way that they've kind of we've, the state itself has fallen in line with Trumpism and MAGA. Uh, you know, seeing a guy like JD Vance and thinking that he's actually a viable candidate for Senate just kind of tells you where we are as a state. The fact that Jim Jordan continually uh, c- continues to get elected again shows you where we are as a state. Um, you know, there, there was that guy J.L. Mikowski or whatever who was going up, up against Marcy Chapter, who was actually, um, you know, that was in our region. I'm not right. sure if you were kind of cut out of that or what, based off where you live compared to where I live. But I actually had to vote 
for against that guy. He was a really extreme Trump candidate that was so bad that Republicans stopped putting money towards him uh, because he, you know, he had the whole stolen valor thing where he said that he was in Iraq and then it was like, yeah, but you, you know, like everything here says you never left Qatar. And, you know, he lied about his service and everything else. So he was one of the few red candidates that didn't win in Ohio. Um, so apparently stolen valor is the line in Ohio. I would say, so there is a limit to what will get you not elected. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole, all right. I'm very curious to hear your take on this because this midterm election, in my opinion, flew into, a, um, I don't know how to say this, a, a colliding things that would typically be your stance. Um, not trying to set you up, but basically you have been the champion of the of this slogan that there's no moral victories in a one versus one election. You win or you lose. Moral victories don't mean shit. Is, is that fair for me to say? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's. I mean, that's. Is this is this a, is this an exception? Is this a what? Is this an exception? No, it's not. I mean, look. You know, the moral victory here is that in the midterm elections, where you've got really high inflation, um. Yeah, a presidency that that's been fighting uphill since it got in. You know, the, the moral victory here is that they didn't get whitewashed and lose the Senate and the House. Um, now, I you know my prediction is that they were going to lose both, uh, and it looks like like we know that they will at minimum have fifty. The Democrats will have fifty seats in the Senate, and depending on what happens in Georgia they may get 51. Um, and if they get 51, that essentially neutralizes Manchin and Cinema, which is, a, that's a that's just a flat out win, if you get that. Um, you know, if you don't, then it ends up a push, um, you know, and look, a push is a push, right? Like it's not a win, it's not a loss, it's just, you know, you're in the same spot that you were in in the Senate, um, and we can't anticipate much happening. Um, you likely lose the house. Um, you could still win it uh, with a few surprises, uh, but you do lose the house. Um, and and I don't. And, and I think my issue there is like a lot of people are saying, well, we may have lost it, but they don't. You know, they don't have a lot of control, right? Like there's not a huge margin. Um, but you still lost. Like, you don't have control. You lose control of committees. Um, you know, Kevin McCarthy likely becomes uh, the, the Speaker of the House. There's even, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene is making a push that she should be Speaker of the House. Um, you know, I, and, and so, I mean, I just, I, I think that that's a loss. And I think that, you know, the downside because you lose the house, right? Um, it's just going to make things even more difficult uh, for Biden to move his agenda forward. And um, like, you know, you're, you're you haven't like you, you didn't get blown out. Uh, but congratulations! But you're, you're not really in a position where you're going to be able to do much. Um, you know, because if, like if you had this, if you had a fifty-one seat majority, 
in the Senate and you maintain, and you maintain control of the House, that's a huge win. Um, but if you lose control of the House and you've got 51 seats in the Senate, well, you're still kind of in this situation where you're, you've kind of got gridlock, not much happens. Uh, and, you know, again, congratulations, you didn't get blown out. Uh, but there's still not a whole lot you can do. Now, again, you are still able to play defense to a degree where the MAGA Republicans can't do all the things that they want to do or much of anything that they want to do, but you can't do much either. Great. More gridlock. It's exactly what we need in our government. Right. I mean, and and it's just, you know, so now the question is, um, you know, although the one thing, like if you've got a 51 seat majority, um, you know, you can, you, you do have some control over, um, you know, uh, um, bench seats, uh, right. and, and judges, and, uh, you know, like who we're putting in federal judge positions. Um, you know, so as those seats start to open up and you start to make appointments, having a 51 seat majority helps there. And like I said, again, you neutralize Manson and cinema, which is huge. Um, you know, I think cinema really got under a lot of people's skin uh, just because I think they threw so much support behind her initially, and then she turned out to be who she is. And so I think people put a lot on her. But I think, you know, Joe Manchin did a good fare of, of holding things up because, again, I think he likes that spotlight. Um, you know, but you neutralize both of them and sort of their bullshit over the last few years. Which I think is 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 worth is definitely worth uh, pat on the back. Okay, okay. Um, the the fact that the uh, Lauren Boebert race went. In fact, I don't know if it's been called yet. I don't. As of when I went to bed last night, it was not. Um, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on in Colorado. To be honest with you, uh, I'm not sure why it's taking so long. I'm not sure if it's going to have to go into a runoff. Um, you know, the, the information coming out of there is a little bit sketchy. Uh, just in terms of the consistency, it seems like the race is really close. It seems like Lauren Bobit might have a slight lead, but it also seems like it's close enough to where there will be either a recount or a runoff. I'm not sure which. I, I don't know what the Colorado rules are for this sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I, and that's that's frustrating about you know voting in 2022, right? But, I mean, I, I I think they're they're one of the things that's frustrating is that we're we're in this stage and it feels like there's a way to do these elections where you know we should know we should know the results 48 hours after the election, right? I mean, election day is Tuesday, it's now Sunday after and don't have files across the board and I can't say well just be patient yes but the problem the the problem is that because it takes so long we've got people out there that are are using the time that it takes to kind of catch up as a way to inject this, this concept of fraudulent elections Right. Like that's what happened in 2020. Uh, that's what, you know, really fueled 
a lot of the Trump team and their bullshit and their lies about the election. And they're being cautious on whether they do it this time around or not, because, you know, in a lot of these races, they're probably going to come out favoring the Republicans. Right. Like, so right. They're, they're, it's really interesting how the Republicans are being real quiet about what's going on in Colorado right now because they feel like she should probably win it. And as long as they kind of keep their mouth shut, it shouldn't be an issue. Right. And so I, it, it's interesting how it, it's fraud if the wrong people win and it takes too long. But the system worked if the right people won and it takes too long. That, that was essentially the. Uh... The gist of the Saturday Night Live opening last night was Carrie Lake out in Arizona with the system worked. Oh, now you're behind. The system's corrupt, and just flipping that five, six times in a row. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's funny when you have to balance that, that line or toe that line of everything's corrupt, nothing's fair. Oh wait, I won. Then then it everything worked great, and America has spoken, and yet. They get away with that, and that brings us right into Trump and DeSantis, who are already starting their little um, skirmishes. Um, I think there's there were people. Hold on, hold on, hold on. DeSantis hasn't done really much of anything in the way of Trump, right? And I, Jim, I've been talking about this, these two kind of colliding, probably for over a year now, right? It's not longer. Um, we actually held off on I talking think, about it on the show for a while because we thought we'd be jumping in too soon. But yes, you've been saying this for a while. And so I think it's interesting to look at how this is going down. And I just want to make sure that we we capture it and frame it accurately and don't get caught up in the national narrative. right? Because I think that there is something unique happening here. And it's interesting to watch it unfold. And I, I can't tell you what the driving force is uh, or, or, the, or the why behind it. But so Donald Trump clearly sees DeSantis as a threat, right? Sure. Donald Trump wants loyalty and fealty from the Republicans. He feels like he's the reason why so many of these Republicans have gotten elected. He's said as much, right? He's even taking credit for Ron DeSantis being elected governor the first time around when he beat Andrew Gillum saying that there was widespread voter fraud going down down in Florida. And then Trump sent the DOJ and FBI agents down to Florida. The fraud stopped and Ron DeSantis won. Right now, I think that's really interesting that it's the first time anybody's really hearing of this. I think it's really interesting that he did that and the DOJ arrested no one and that there was no national story about this. That there were no indictments, there were no arrests, there was no nothing. Uh, but Trump is throwing it out there that he saved the day for Ron DeSantis. Interesting. Um, and, you know, like Trump went out and said it called Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, and all this other stuff. So it's really Trump is launching, launching his attack on Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis didn't come out and thank Trump and, and acknowledge him and everything else. And what Ron DeSantis is doing is literally just saying, look, you know, it's storm season down here in Florida. I'm worried about, you know, getting my constituents what they need. I just, you know, fortunately was reelected. I'm focused on that. I'm focused on what I'm, you know, doing what, what's best for Florida. So Ron DeSantis is doing exactly what I figured that he would do. There's no reason for him to engage Trump right now, right? But Trump, if he was smart, he really wouldn't engage DeSantis right now. But 
he thinks that he's getting out ahead. And so he's starting to attack the Sanders. He's trying to build up, uh, or he's trying to kind of take away from the Sanders. He's trying to take away from the credibility. Um, but really what he's doing is, I think he's feeding the beast that is Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis is going to take all of this, everything that Trump is saying and doing right now, I think he's going to look at Trump's overall record, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think DeSantis, when it comes time to make his announcement that he's running for president in 2024, and when they go into debates, right, because Trump's not going to be able to avoid debating Ron DeSantis. And if the Republicans are smart, instead of lining up a bunch of people to run against Trump like they did in, in 2015, um, where, you know, you had eight or nine people and they had so many people that they had to have literally, you know, debates over the course of two days. Um, I think what they should do is put all their money kind of behind one or the other. Right? Either, either, you know, split the party, go between Trump, some of them go behind Trump, some of them go behind DeSantis and kind of let them fight it out for dominance. Or just say, all right, we're going to go all in on DeSantis because we need to push Trump out, or vice versa. Right? But either way, um, I think you let those two fight it out and you see what happens. And uh, and I think what ends up happening, ultimately, is that I think, I think DeSantis ends up beating Trump because you can't out-Trump Donald Trump but Ron DeSantis can do enough of what Trump does, but then say, look, I don't come with nearly the same baggage that the other guy does, right? Like, we believe in a populist movement. We believe in a lot of those similar things. But I don't have my annoying kids all over the place. I don't have the divorces. I don't have the dumb things that this guy has on his track record. Also, I'm not an idiot. Right? Like, this guy can't prove to us that he's not an idiot. Right. Like, and he continues to do really dumb things. Me, on the other hand, I don't have any of that. But and I think that's that's how he ends up winning. Um, and I think he can slow play that probably for the next year before he's got to actually make an announcement. And he's going to continue to let Trump just kind of step in it over and over again until then. Well, I think I suspect you're right on that, because right now the momentum of Trumpism is deflated. They. You know, the whole, if, you know, Trump used to uh, brand himself a kingmaker and that did not come true here. And so there's where the whole what's a moral victory and what's an actual victory kind of becomes uh, a discussion um, because, you know, from the from the world of Trump, he he's getting blamed a lot. Fox is kind of running away from him. Um and if well, it's, it's not just Fox, Rupert Murdoch is running away from Trump, right? Like, so everything that Murdoch owns, Fox News, Wall Street Journal, so on and so forth, like they're all sort of saying that, hey, Trump, you need to, you, you need to take a back seat. Whether it's Laura Ingram, um, you know, she came out and said that basically he needs to change his tone or get out of the way. Um, you, you, you know, Wall Street Journal has had a couple op-eds really pointing at Trump as needing to either, you know, change his message, move on from 2020, um, you know, stop with the rhetoric or get out of the way. And I think that's Rupert Murdoch trying to send a message to Donald Trump, like, look, you know, your 15 minutes is about up. Um, you know, if you want a new lease on it, then you need to, you need to shift gears a little bit. And if not, we're going to move on. And I get like, 
Trump is Trump, and I don't think that he is going to move on. I don't think he's going to really kind of take the hint, and it'll be interesting to see how that divorce goes. Is a changing gears and acknowledging that he needs to tone down is not his strength by any means. Um, I, I don't know. It, it will be interesting. I do think that uh, I, you know, we've had this conversation as well that I would love to see a moderate, sane Republican get into the into the race. Uh, my ideal choice would be Larry Hogan from Maryland, but it'll be interesting to see what gets put up there. Like like you said, you know, in in. 2016, they had just a clown car full of people trying to scramble for what they thought was a power vacuum, and they sucked up 70% of the vacuum, but the other, but they divided that 70% over 10 people, whereas Trump, with his smaller percentage, was able to dominate the party. And I, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to be curious if the tone continues down the path that's going that you just described where Rupert Murdoch and all the Fox affiliates and everything that was once right up his ass is now um, moving on and just sort of saying, you know, the, the whole, there's nothing to see here kind of thing. So it will be interesting. But um, in light of all this, the stock market, which had been flailing, really came back strong this week like really strong well, yeah it did and i think you saw um like there were certain things that i think the fed were looking for that we saw in terms of you know some labor numbers that that are showing that the, the labor market is weakening a little bit um you know there, there were some you know, other key sort of indicators which it's really interesting, right? Like, so in order to get the Fed, the Fed to ease up on, you know, like raising rates, they need to see, you know, fewer jobs entering the market. They need to see less spending. You know, I mean, things that generally are bad indicators, right, for for labor and the economy, but they need to see those things kind of trending upward to say, okay, we can, you know, like we, we don't have to raise rates because people are now feeling the pressure, companies are hiring less, uh, we're seeing, you know, reduction in wages and people are spending less money. So that's, you know, the Fed is looking at, the, at those as good things, you know, and, and it's just like, all right, but if, if we continue to kind of go that direction, then things really start to suck for us. And the Fed's like, yes, that's right. Yes, they will. And that means things are better. And, and it's really a hard thing to sort of wrap your head around. Um, and kind of just like our, our, the way our market and economy are kind of tied together and work together, uh, it, it's kind of one of those things that shows you that it's not, uh, it's definitely not a perfect system. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, a lot of what you said sounds counterintuitive. Um, I just, you know, was looking at the numbers and, and after a couple months of, you know, a, a serious downward trend, suddenly it revved back up. Shortly after the election, which I'm not going to go conspiracy on that, but it is kind of funny that after the election, suddenly things started heading in the wrong in the other direction, because that was one of the Republican talking points I was hearing from some of my friends. It was, well, look at your 401k. Who are you going to vote for? I'm like, all right. So that's really not a strong argument, but but it works. Um, at least it works with some people. 
All right. I mean, and and it's it's frustrating too because I I mean I think I I think that the thing that people just refuse to acknowledge, uh, you know, especially on the right, and then on the left, people are just like too dumb to really think this all out. But you were going to get this level of inflationary pressure no matter who was president, right? Like because a majority of the the financial support that came due to COVID happened under Trump, right? Like he wasn't thrilled about it, but I mean, like he, like you, hey, remember he wanted to sign his name on the checks so everyone sure. could remember that it was him who got it, who got people the COVID checks, right? So everyone knew who to thank. Like, you remember that whole thing with Trump? Yeah. So a lot a lot of that happened under him. And so like, and it, what frustrates me is that even the, people who get paid to talk about the economy, like people who legitimately get paid to talk about the economy, don't talk about the fact that, look, you unnaturally depress the world's economy, right? Like you like you shut everybody down, everybody was locked in the house, right? Good, bad, ugly, whatever, that's what happened, right? Like, so there was absolutely no demand because no one was going anywhere, right? From US to Italy to China, everybody was locked down. So the entire economy wasn't moving in, you got it going again, right? Right, like so that due to that lack of demand, that depressed the prices of everything, right? Like you had nobody, like nobody was going anywhere. So the price, yes, of course, the price of gas is going to bottom out, right? Nobody was fucking driving, right? Nobody, you know what I mean? Like you, like you only had a few, like you, you had truckers, like they were the only ones who were getting things, who were getting things across. But then, right, like you had so many of those guys who who got COVID, died, or what have you, that. They couldn't move things the way they needed to, right? Or you just ran out of people because you only had so, you know, like you only had so many people who could work on the docks and the shipyards and, and get things moving right. across the country. So then you start to see the supply chain issues, right? Like that wasn't because of Trump or Biden. That was just because of the overall situation of COVID that you had this unnatural depression of the economy. And then people start to go back to work. And then all of a sudden there's demand again. Right. And yes, there was some money injected into it. So people had some money to spend. But ultimately, you had all these factors that depressed the economy and then pumped it back up. So, yeah, there was going to be inflation no matter who the fucking president was. And the idea that people aren't really looking at this and say, oh, well, it's because of this. The inflation is happening because of this. Like, no, we know exactly why. It wasn't policy from Biden. It was this whole fucked up situation. Right. Like, just trying to, like, outthink this. And be the smartest guy in the room. Like sometimes the answer is fucking obvious. No, you're absolutely right, and I, 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 I share frustration with trying to explain. It's not even that they're that complicated of issues, right? I mean, it's one thing when you're talking about the environment, and the, there's a whole bunch of, you know, intermixing factors here. You just spelled out in five minutes what caused these, these things to happen. We were all alive and aware and paying attention to all of it while it was happening because we had nothing else to do. And yet, you can still spin the narrative that, well, if Biden just did this, well, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but the, fa- the fact that that argument didn't end up you know, giving them the, uh, the overwhelming red tsunami that they were calling for also says that their messaging wasn't great and that kind of brings us full circle on you know, are you backing Trump or backing reality? And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, and I think part of the... You still there? I'm here, yeah. Oh, okay. 
I think part of the issue, too, the Republicans, is that some of their candidates were just so bad and unelectable. Now, I thought J.D. Vance was one of them, but Ohio proved me wrong. But, I mean, I think we saw in a lot of instances that the GOP put some people out there that yeah. even the most ridiculous of our electorate were just like, yeah, we can't vote for that guy or woman. Right, like they're just too far out there. So a lot of your extreme election deniers and people who may have even been at, you know, who had been involved with January 6th or people who have come out and basically said that, look, if the Republican doesn't win, then we're going to, you know, challenge every aspect of the election. Like a lot of those people did not win. You know, most, I think almost all of them who were running for secretary of state, governor positions, um, you know, were not successful, uh, and that that shows some redeeming qualities in our electorate. Um, but you did, you still had like Marjorie Taylor Greene kept her spot. Herschel Walker's in a runoff. JD Vance gets selected in Ohio. Jim Jordan still is elected in Ohio. Um, you know, you, you've got a few other people out there. You know, Carrie Lake, her, her race is close, although it looks like she's going to lose as well. Um, you know, there, there, there are some signs out there that we that we're not quite fully out of the water, but it feels like things may be turning away from the the ridiculousness that is Trump. But I think that he did start a movement where they're just like, all right, we can't be as ridiculous as Trump and and the people who worship him, right? The sycophants who have who have, who have pledged fealty to him. But we can take some really key pieces of what he was saying and what he tapped into, you know, throw a suit and tie on it, clean it up a little bit, and still and still be able to keep the base. Even if we lose a small percentage of the of the most extreme, we may be able to pull some independence over from the left if we tone things down a little bit, which is where Ron DeSantis comes in. Right. I was I say, uh, if you make me finish or complete the circle, I will. But you just did it. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and that's and, and I think that's and, and what I think is going to happen is that the Democrats, I think, are going to kind of fall asleep at the wheel. And look at what we just did. Right. It was supposed to be a red wave, but it was more of a red dribble. Yeah, we lost the House, by, but not by that much. And we had control of the Senate. So things are back to normal and we're good. And then I could easily see the Democrats completely fumbling 2024, losing to a Ron DeSantis, you know, losing control of the Senate, um, maybe retaking the House, but, you know, really being at a disadvantage at that point. I want to say one thing about um, the Georgia race. If I'm Raphael Warnock and I'm looking at this saying, I couldn't get 50 percent of the vote over this guy. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, I think the way a runoff works in Georgia is the top two candidates advance. So there will be a 50% uh, plus one, you know, whatever, 50 plus one vote winner, no matter what. Um, and I think Warnock will win that just because the more spotlight there is on Herschel Walker, the more people are going to shake their head and say, how was this guy possibly a Senate candidate? I saw you tweeted something from our account, which it was like a five-second clip of... Well, I mean, here's the, here's the problem, though. Like, so, 
the entire race is going to be focused, like the entire runoff is really going to be focused on, it's going to be focused on just Warnock and Walker. Like, right. Like, that's it. The only two. And, you know, like, it feels like, well, Warnock should be able to win this, no problem, but it, it just, again, the problem is the numbers, right? Like, so you've got, like, Warnock is a senator because of Atlanta. Period, point blank, the end. Atlanta is so heavily black, right? But it's so dense, and there's so many people in that in that county that Atlanta is in. Um, and it's escaping me now what, what the name of the county is because it's not Atlanta County. It's Fulton? Uh, yeah, I think that might be it. But that county is so densely black, right, Like that it makes up like a huge majority of the Georgia electorate, right? Now there's like there's plenty of other counties in Georgia that have black people, but those are mostly dominated. Those like out like Marietta, I don't think it's in Fulton County. It's in the, maybe in Clark County. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know the Georgia counties all that well. Um, but like, so you have pockets of black people in other places, but most of the state is dominated by white people outside of Atlanta and white people that are leaning heavily towards not only Republican, but the MAGA Republican direction, right? Like, again, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene elected in that state. Right. Um, the fact that Herschel Walker is even close, right, it just tells you, like, Stacey Abrams can't get over the hump um, in that state, even though her popularity is so high in, in that region. So, my point is, is that it, it's it's just not like there's. I don't think it's a, it's a it's a given by any stretch of the imagination that Warnock wins because because of the way that state, just the demographics of that state, um, and I think Atlanta and that county and that region is what's gonna is what's gonna have Warnock in it, obviously. But the question then becomes, you know, it's really the common sense middle, right? Does the common sense middle exist in Georgia? And if so, can they, Can you know, will they, will they buy, like, will Warnock win them over, right? Or are they just so anti-left, anti-Democrat that they just hold their nose and say, we can't give the Democrats that much control. We're just going to have to deal with Herschel Walker for the next six years, right? Like that's that's a big question. I, you know, um, call me whatever you want, but the idea is that you would look at Herschel Walker, listen to what he's had to say, look at his credentials or complete lack thereof, and say, "I will hold my nose and make this person a senator from my state." I mean, you're not wrong. It could happen. And and uh, again, if you look at J.D. Vance's credentials, he doesn't have nearly the star power in Ohio that Herschel Walker did, at least as a younger person. So maybe, but my goodness, man, if we're if we're that far gone, and what's I mean, Jim, like, what do you question? I mean, like, how, like I get like we're they're they're having a runoff. I no, you're right. Like, I, he got forty eight percent. And, the, and your thought process there, and this is not a, an attack against you, 
but that's part of the reason why Democrats are kind of in this boat, right? It's just the, well, we're the obvious choice. Like, well, motherfuckers, you were the obvious choice. You would clearly be winning, but you're not, right? And so instead of continually to put this out there, well, you should just vote for us because we're right. Right? At some point in time, you're going to have to give people a reason to fucking vote for you. And you're it may mean that you're going to have to move off some of your central points and start to address the things that people are telling you that they need addressed. Right? And it's not like, and listen, Democrats, you're going to have to figure out a way to speak to black people and to white people alike. But those are different languages. Right. Speaking of the needs of black people and speaking of the needs of the average middle American white person, even if the needs are the exact same, the language is different. And at some point in time, Democrats are going to have to figure out how to speak those languages. Right? Because as much as the, the average middle white, mid, you know, middle class white person wants to say, we got more in common than we do apart. We just don't like y'all Negroes. Like, well, what the fuck? So at some point, you're going to have to figure out. How to, how to talk to white people who are in the exact same situation as middle-class black people, but yet appeal to black people and appeal to white people because th those are just two different things. Right? And no one has really figured it out because the Republicans have just been like, well, we just won't talk to black people. Fuck them. Right? We might get a few stragglers, but fuck them. We're just going to talk to white people. And Democrats are just like, well, we're just going to really focus on minorities and you know like black people gay trans whatever and we'll kind of send a message to white people and hopefully we just get enough of them to vote right at some point you have to figure out how to speak these different languages if you really want to take it over now i've said how they could do it if the democrats just switch their stance on guns they would probably never lose an election again that's my opinion um but they got to figure it out at some point and they have to just they have to, they have to stop with this we're just obviously better. I don't know why we're winning, right? Like that's just not getting you anywhere. You're, well, history backs you up on that. Um, maybe that's kind of what I was saying with Herschel Walker being just that far detached from reality. Yeah, I'm. 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 Guess I'm saying that. And so, Tim, as I'm driving on 71, there are two giant clouds. Let me guess. Sticking out of the side of the road. Guess what the two flags are. Conf and, and I'll just tell you, one is not a Confederate flag. Oh, it's not a Confederate flag. No. Okay. An American flag and all. Right, then I don't know. I was sure there was going to be a Confederate flag in there. It's a, no, one was a, a, Trump, a Trump MAGA flag, and the other was the Gadsden. Was the Gadsden, don't tread on me. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, the snake with the... Yeah. So they didn't have room for the Confederate flag because they had only two flagpoles on the side of their truck. Was this on a building or a truck? No, it was on either. Literally two flags stuck in the ground. Two giant okay. flags stuck in the ground along 71. I guess going, well, I'm going south, so it would have been on the northbound side. Okay. And and if you get, if you get past Columbus on 71, which you won't today, but there's a... A uh, barn with a Confederate flag painted on it right off the side of 71 that I used to drive by every day going from uh, Mason to Wilmington, Ohio. Um, so I haven't, driven, I haven't driven to Cincinnati in a while, so I don't. Uh, I have to imagine it's probably still there, but I don't like. I don't know if it still is. I, I 
I don't know when I'll be back that way, but I will. It's impossible not to notice from 71 coming north. It's like a top of a barn, and it's. And I think the town is New Vienna, Ohio, which has a great reputation for uh, its uh, white supremacy uh, support. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I, I'm. The fact that there wasn't a Confederate flag is borderline heartening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, this is me definitely I mean, trying to find the silver lining. Like a, this is the dog shit on me flag that it's kind of been co-opted by a lot of your sort of oh yeah far right white supremacists, whatever. I mean, the flag in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean white supremacy, but the people who've adopted it, it's kind of yeah, well, it's kind of theirs now. And then the Trump MAGA flag, I mean, is what it is. I, I guess it's a win that there wasn't a Confederate flag there, but I mean, I, I don't know. If they could have afforded the third flagpole, you'd bet there be you could bet there'd be one. Um, all right, I, I want to talk quickly about uh, Russia and the Ukraine situation because I have no clue what's going on there. One minute I'm reading and hearing that Russian troops are fleeing in droves that they've had in excess of 100,000 casualties in this period of time, which is a shocking number. And then I'm hearing that Russia's unleashed a, a new set of drones that is tearing apart Ukraine's uh, weakening defenses. So I don't know where that's going. Um, I mean, it's from, from, like, I obviously, I, I mean, I still track what, what's going on there. Um, you know, Ukraine has had a couple, like, had, you know, like they were able to push Russia out of the, out of the, I don't know how to say it, but the Kursen, I think is how it's called, the Kursen region, uh, which is along like a, a, a major river port over there. Um, and they were finally able to push Russia out so they've taken even more control. And that's kind of from that offensive uh, that we talked about about a month ago. Like that was sort of like the last remaining stronghold of the Russians in that area. So, so the, Ukraine, the Ukrainians have really pushed the Russians out and gain, gain key control, which is a huge win for them. Uh, the, the Russians are using these drones that are causing the Ukrainians some problems. Um, you know, the issue that, you, that you know, Ukraine is going to face, though, is that, um, you know, with the GOP taking over control of the House, um, you know, will, will Biden be able to get approval to continue to send you know, money and aid uh, to Ukraine, right? Like, when I mean, Congress controls the purse, um, it's been democratic, democratic, it's been under Democrats' control uh, for the last couple of years, and so Democrats haven't had an issue with supporting Biden and supporting Ukraine uh, in this in, in this uh, war that Russia has launched against them. But there have been a lot of Republicans that are pushing back and mostly just because they just don't like because biden's supporting it right um which is weird that like you're so anti-democrat you're so anti-biden that you're willing to throw support behind russia because like you just you hate you hate biden and Dick, right right like russia was our main enemy right like right. remember chris christie when he was running for president talking about how dangerous Vladimir Putin was and Russia was and everybody was like, yeah, fuck Russia. Like, you can't let Russia do this. And, you know, like, Trump, all his tough talk about Russia 
and everything else. And now, you know, because Biden is in the White House, it's like, well, I mean, we don't think that what Russia's doing is that bad. Like, I mean, like, they should be able to defend themselves against Ukraine, who wasn't doing anything against them. But still, you know, I mean, it's just crazy, um, you know, that they were, that they shifted that much. Uh, but it's, it's not surprising the way things have gone, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think that's just something to sort of watch out for is once we kind of get the final numbers settled, um, which again, we, we won't know for at least another week, I think, uh, who has won control of the, of the House. Um, and we won't know until December what the final numbers look like in the Senate. But by Christmas, we should know who the fuck controls our government. And then at that point in time, we'll have to kind of assess if Ukraine will still sort of get the support that they've gotten from the U.S. to this point. Or if not, then will somebody else in NATO you know, backfill what the U.S. has been doing? Or will we see it tone finally in favor of the Russians because Ukraine isn't getting the same support? Um, and then, you know, does that mean this thing drags out longer? Will Russia finally be able to sort of close it out sooner? Um, I don't know where this goes, right? and it doesn't feel like it's going to draw to an end anytime soon. I mean, I can only imagine what it's like to be in Ukraine in the winter with a damaged uh, utility structure, with your infrastructure as badly damaged as it has to be. Now, I will say that I can, I'm can, i very comfortable predicting that U.S. armaments will continue to go to Ukraine because... They're controlled by defense contractors who may, on the surface, be far right-leaning, but they're purely about the dollar and continuing to yeah, be able to send me. I, I mean, I, I, I agree, but you got to wonder, for Republicans, you know, I mean, I, I, Republicans go as far as to say, look, man, just hold your dollars. We'll, we'll figure it. We'll get you other contracts. But for right now, we really need to fuck Biden over. And to fuck Biden over, we need Ukraine to, to take this loss to Russia. So just just hold, you know, just hold tight and we'll figure, we'll, we'll figure out something. But I, I, I don't trust him at all. And I could easily see him, see him doing that. Um, but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, greed and money now wins and the support still continues to flow to Ukraine and they're able to, to still defend themselves, right? Or, right? And eventually push Russia out. Yeah, my, my, my suspicion is that money wins in the short term. I don't think there's any, we'll take care of you down the road. These guys don't. Well, I, I, I mean, we'll see. Again, I think it will, again, determine what the numbers are uh, and, how, and how much control the Democrats have there. Um, but no, I think if the Republicans have control, you're, you're going to see a lot less aid flowing to Ukraine, um, and we'll see how that impacts their ability to, to, to continue this fight. We'll see. Um, I, I, well, we'll see. Uh, staying on that that part of the world, Brittany Griner's situation has gone from awful to substantially worse. Uh, she's apparently being moved to a penal colony. Um, I can only imagine what that's like, but I can confidently say it's not a good situation. And I'm also going to imagine that any 
ability we have to keep track of uh, her health and well-being will essentially go to zero. So we said we would stay on the Brittany Griner story and we wouldn't stop talking about it until there was no reason to keep talking. And um, I don't see... To me, this is a turn that is so much for the worse that I'm afraid that we might not see her again. Yeah, so, I, so, I, I don't think you will. Um, it's it's a really sad situation. Um, you know, it's just it's it's awful the way that she got used here. But you know, I think she kind of put herself in this situation. Um, I, I, I still think she she got set up, but at the same time, it looks like she she did take the big cartridges with her. Um, everyone saying, "Oh, it was an accident. It's, it's incidental." I just I, look as a person who travels and you know, knew was very anti weed. You know, I I made sure that I didn't have anything on me um, to, to cause an issue. You went blank and You went blank for about three seconds, but you were saying you went to Cutter, I'm guessing? Oh, yeah, I'm just saying that when I, you know, like, look, I, again, I travel a lot. I take a vape pin with me when I go places. Um, but when I was traveling to a foreign country that I knew had very strict laws against it, I made sure I didn't have a single thing on me. And so I just, I, it's hard for me to buy into this argument that she just wasn't thinking. Like, like I mean, she, especially with the amount of times she's played in Russia, um, you know, but there's also this world where they probably let her get away with it until they decided not to, right? Like that could also be in play here. But either way, I just, I, I as much as I, I I don't think that this, this is right. I think that this is absolutely just a, a, a travesty. But, you know, when you're dealing with places like Russia, right, knowing their track record and their history, I, I, I just, I, I think of all the places to, to get a little loose with the rules, uh, when you're going to visit there, I just don't think that that's a place to do it. And I, I, I just, it's just a hard lesson that she now has to endure uh, and, and as much as I feel bad, like they're, they're like what the Russians want in return for her to get her out of this is a price that we as a country just cannot pay. Because I, I think the person that they want will, will like, and I hate to say this, but there's a chance Brittany Griner could die in prison there. Um, you let that guy out that the Russians want, and and a lot more people die unnecessarily because of it, um, and that can't happen. And you know, it's not because I hate black women. It's not because I hate lesbian people or people that are queer, or whatever, or that I hate the WNBA. It's not any of it. Um, I hate that this is the situation, but this is this is not a game. And this isn't some feel-good story. It's people's lives on the line. And Britney's one is not worth, I think, the thousands that could be at risk if you let the other guy out. So no, that's, I, uh, I just, I, it just, it's unfortunate. Um, and if this is the end of our conversation about Britney Griner, 
it's a very, very sad ending to her story. I hope she's able to make it out on the other side. But I, this is, this is, you know, I, I don't know what else we could do for her. Well, I mean, bargaining her for Alex Ovechkin remains my main strategy. Um, the guy, the guy that they want to release is a former gun runner. The book was written about him that led to the movie of Lord of War with Nicolas Cage, which ironically is a Ukrainian character in the movie. Um, but uh, he's a bad guy. But I just I'm, I, I wonder after however many years of being out of circulation, can you jump right back into the gun running game? I I hear what you're saying, and on a lot of levels politically being one of them you know you're right um but it just i uh, seeing the situation deteriorate the way it has has really been uh sad and i don't see a happy ending to it or a good ending to it um so i don't know if we're disagreeing or, or not but we're definitely agreeing that this is a bad situation again you and i had said from the start we would keep it in the um you know uh, context of our show and I, this might be the last time we talk about it for a while because we might not know anything and that is easy for me I mean, to it's say. Gonna be, I mean in the reality it's going to be a couple weeks before you can even figure out where she is. A couple weeks, a couple months. Um, you know, I mean and, and you know will it even make it to the mainstream once once people are able to know or will Russians be like She's, she's basically going into a black hole. The question is, will anyone know where she is right. uh, to be able to report anything on her, right? It's not like we are going to send somebody over there to, to go figure it out. Um, you know, we just don't have that sort of, we don't have that type of budget um, to do that sort of reporting. Um, yeah, and yeah, again, like so you said, I, not knowing yeah, where I mean, she physically I mean, is. I don't like listen. I don't want this to be her fate. I don't want this. I, I wish that they were away, but if if the price is, you know, give up this guy, who is not just a gun runner but a war criminal, um, that I mean, like, look, if the Russians want him, he's got like they, like there's, he's got. He's got some value to them, right? Yeah, exactly. Can you hear when Siri butts in to tell me that there's hazard and speed checks? Nope. Oh, okay. That's good. I'm sorry. No, bro. All I'm right. doing it through my AirPods while my phone is on CarPlay mode, and I've got my map telling me where I'm going. So Siri butts in to tell me that there's a hazard ahead or that there's a speed check or whatever, and I don't know if you guys can hear I have not heard any of that. Okay. All right. So we we avoided accidentally talking about Kanye West and Kyrie Irving the last couple of weeks. Uh, so we didn't avoid it. We just forgot it one week, and then we were, were unable to make things work last week. Um, I kind of want to throw that ball into your court. No pun intended. Um, um, all right, so we start with Kanye, right? Like, Kanye comes out, he's really strong. You know, Jews control everything, and I'm not going to let them control me, and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Right? Now, look, I think there's, there's a, you have to balance between, like, 
reality and conspiracy theory white supremacy bullshit. The reality is that there are a lot of Jewish people that have risen to power across all sectors, right? Like, so business, media, Hollywood, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, sports, sports teams, sports leagues. Uh, that That is true. Um, but I think the reason why that is, is that you, there's multiple factors, right? Um, you know, after world, you know, after world war one and, and, and two, um, you know, you've got the, the, the Jewish state that gets popped up by, you know, the Western world. Um, we form this allyship with them to be our, our democratic partner in the Middle East, where they are, you know, really the only democracy in the middle of, of a number of Islamic states. And so there's certain protections that have been sort of, that have been afforded to Israelis. Um, so you look at how they're able to rise to power in that region of the world and on the world stage, and, and uh, you see it. Um, you also see their, again, rise to power in, in business and across the U.S. And, and listen, a lot of that is just that, you know, when Jews came into the United States, they stuck together. They they used, you know, each other to prop each other up. You know, like they would buy from each other. They would shop at each other's stores and shops and markets. And, you know, they would kind of create this economy, like this ecosystem. And then other people, they you know, would get pulled in and that would kind of prop everybody up and then eventually you have people rise to power. And so they have a lot of control and, and I don't think that there's some great conspiracy theory behind it that Jews are trying to control the world. That's the way it fucking happened. Now, you know, Kanye and Kyrie come out and say Jews control everything and blah, 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 yada, yada. And then there's a big backlash, right? Where, you know, Adidas drops Kanye Right, where Kanye is just like, I can say whatever I want. Adidas can't drop me. And then Adidas comes out and they're just like, we're dropping you. Right, which is one of the more kind of funny situations that have fucking happened. Because I think, like, and a lot of people don't, like, listen, Adidas is a fucking German company, people. <laughs> right, like, I mean, like, what? Like, Jews don't control Adidas. Right, like, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say about Jews controlling everything. They don't control Adidas. Um, and yet Adidas fucking drops him and then they're just like, hey, we're going to just continue with the Yee-Line and just not use Kanye. Um, but people have been turning and looking at, like, Kanye's losing all this, uh, you know, he's losing all these partnerships because of his anti-Semitism. Thus, that proves, right, that the Jews rule right. everything and that he was right. Or Kyrie is getting suspended from Brooklyn, right? Like, the Brooklyn Nets are owned by an Asian guy. Right, like he's he's a majority owner, and then the rest of the collaboration. But like, he's, he's an Asian guy, right? And then Nike, they're just like Nike is owned by Phil Knight. I'm pretty sure Phil Knight is not Jewish, right? They're just like, look, we we just like it's a bad vibe. Everything you're doing, but people are saying that because these two are losing their, you know, like losing their all their various partnerships and everything, that that, that that's that's a sign that they're right. Well, here's the deal. If you had black owners, right, in the NBA, right, if I were a black owner of a team and I had a white player running his mouth, right, or if I were a, a black owner of a league and I had a white player running his mouth about black people in general, right, that was just all negative, then yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punish that player, 
right? It's just like, fuck you, what, what are you doing, right? Like, so, I mean, I think if you want, like, if you want to say that they're in control of everything and, and so getting punished for criticizing them proves you're right, I think that, like, if the shoe is on the other foot, then a lot of people who are criticizing what's happening to Kanye and Kyrie, like, they would want the same sort of thing. That, like, uh, to put it to a better, uh, a better way, like, the same people who, who want Kyrie and Kanye to, uh, I don't know, who are against them being punished for what they say, are the same people who come out very, very aggressively against anyone who criticizes anything that black people do. Right? So it's a weird sort of so, double standard that, 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 that they have. And I guess to my point, wait, I don't have an issue with Kanye and Kyrie getting punished for the shit that they say because, like, look, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you, you work for these different groups and you can't just say whatever the fuck you want. Right? Like, there's a fucking price to pay. Whether what you're saying, like, what they're saying, maybe it's right. Right? Like, maybe, you know, Jews have a disproportionate, a disproportionate amount of control in sports and entertainment. But they do have the control, and you just said it, and you just got fired. So I, I don't know what the fuck you want. Well, this goes yeah. back. This goes back to our when people say it's a freedom of speech issue. Freedom of speech does not mean you get to say whatever you want without consequences. It means you won't get put in jail for what you say. But companies that you represent have every right to say the things you said hurt our brand. Frankly, all they care about is the financial aspect. So when right, that hurts, and, and just to, and and so like a lot, and a, a lot of your black thought leaders are really upset about this because their their response is, well, when people say bad things about black people, they don't get this sort of they don't get the same sort of heat that Kyrie and Kanye are getting, and that's not right. Like if you attack, like the way people get punished for attacking Jews and being anti-Semitic, people should take that same heat for being anti-black. And while, like, look, that's a strong argument. Fully agree. Except for, you don't have enough black people with control to really enforce that sort of punishment. That's just the reality. We don't own teams in the leagues. We don't own enough studios, right? Like, you got Tyler Perry, right, and, and LeBron, right? Like, who really, who own, you know, major production studios, Right, but we, we we don't we don't have the power in the actual positions of power to inflict that sort of pain. Like go, well, we have numbers and there's power in numbers, and we need to shop. You know, we need to show our power in our dollars. But again, like with where we are with the global society and and with social media and everything else, like it's just the old boycott, and you know, we're just gonna like it doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. Like, it didn't work for conservatives when they tried to shut down the NFL because they were mad at Colin Kaepernick. It didn't work for black people who were mad at the NFL because they wanted to shut it down because of Colin Kaepernick. Right? Like, that shit doesn't work anymore in 2022 and 2023. Well, right? Like, that's just not how you get shit done. Well, boycotts all the people who All the people who burned all their Nike shit because they were mad at Nike because Nike went woke, and then they fucked around and made Nike stocks go even higher. Right, like that shit, you know, like that voting with your dollars doesn't work anymore. You're gonna have to figure out another way to impact these corporations. Well, I would say this: I, I disagree with the voting with your dollar doesn't work because, in the cases you described, no one really voted with their dollar. Yeah, people burned products that they already had, and maybe they stopped buying new Nikes, but other people filled in that gap. The NFL 
we've had this conversation before. Like everyone who says I'm going to quit the NFL stands their ground until the season starts, and then they really like getting drunk and watching football. Or they don't, right? Or 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 they do stand their ground and they're really shitty and pissy about the NFL. But then they come to find out that so many other fucking people enjoy and like it that it doesn't fucking matter what they do. And they either say, all right, well, that didn't work, and they go back and watch it, or they're just bitter, and they have to tell you on social media all the time that they don't watch the NFL. And then people like me are just like, well, I watch it. I know all the stats, and fuck you. Right. But, and, but there's... And, and, and the NFL made... Two billion more dollars than they made the previous year, and they're going to continue to do that because the NFL is fucking king. And now I'm rooting for the NFL to win out of spite, purely out of spite for the people who decided that somehow the NFL was the reason why this country is a fucking train wreck. Like it's not the laws, it's not all the other corporations that are abusing black people and black dollars. It's not the it's not the government. It's not anything. It's the NFL. That's that's the big problem. The NFL isn't the fucking problem with the United States. Right? We got so many things that are feeding the problem that the NFL is on the way, way bottom of the list of things that are fucking up this country. Right? So for all the black people that want to get out there and get all pissy about the NFL, right? Because oh well they don't care about black bodies. Those black bodies are making millions of fucking dollars, and a lot of those guys that are getting out now. Right, are way ahead of the guys who were getting out 20 years ago, and those guys literally have the power, now the financial power, to literally change entire sections of the world with the money that they make. So why the fuck would you want to cut that off? Right? Like, that makes no... That, that is literally cutting off your nose to spite your face. Of all the fucking fights to fight to get this country right, the idea that you want to take down the NFL because they didn't treat Colin Kaepernick the right fucking way... Mind you, Colin Kaepernick is doing just fine right now, by the way. But for having that be the reason that you want to take down the NFL makes no fucking sense. Right? There's a lot of issues with the NFL and the ownership, and there's plenty of racism there. But that's not your problem. Right? There's plenty of good that comes out of the NFL and what a lot of those players do individually and what a lot of the teams do for the places that they're in. Right, whether it's through philanthropy or just through the amount of uh, the jobs that they create, the NFL isn't your problem. Like, there's way bigger fish to fucking fry than the NFL, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous the people who want to go after it because it's, it's again, it's just it's it's jealousy and greed. People don't like who is making the money, right? For white people, they don't like the fact that it's the black athletes that are making all the money, and for black people, they don't like the fact that it's the white owners making the money. Stop being pissed at people making money. Start being pissed about the things that are actually holding you back. Well, but and I, this, I don't think this is a counterpoint to you, but it's a different point that they're not doing it. No one backs up their words when they're saying, I'm going to give up this thing that I loved because of a guy taking a knee or a rich white guy doing whatever. I mean, Daniel Snyder is probably going to get forced out of ownership in Washington and does anyone who cares about that team care other than that Daniel Schneider's a douche who did a terrible job running a team? They don't care about his behavior. They're not going to stop watching their team because of the behavior of their potential former owner. If they're going to stop watching, it's because they put a lousy product on the field. And even then, they don't stop. And I mean, as a guy who endured 17 years of my, without my team going to the playoffs and still 
drag my ass to a, a, someplace to watch a game every Sunday. The NFL owns me. I've, I've just acknowledged it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, yeah, I, well, it is what yeah, it is. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I, look, of all the fights that we need to fight to get this thing right and to get things on track, I'm just not willing to fight the NFL. I'm sorry. Understood. Uh, I just, I'm just not going to, like, I, I just, I'm not going to do it. Like, I mean, the things that I see that directly impact my day-to-day life, um, you know, like that, those are the things that I'm going to fight for. Like, I, I, you know, things I, things that I see, right? Kids growing up in homes that should be fucking demolished. The things that I see are, you know, those kids growing up in those situations where, you know, they live in these shitty homes and they have zero options and they have absolutely no prospects in life because they, they just have been told that they don't have any. Like, those are the fights that I want to fight. So what do I do? I go out and I start a company that builds housing for those kids so they don't have to live in those situations anymore. And then that same company has these workforce options that allows people to train and understand different technologies so they can go out and get a job. That's what I do. That's how I'm going to fight this fight. If you think going out there boycotting the NFL helps those kids, fuck you. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fuck you. Well, right? like you're so full of shit. If you think that you're doing anything, like I need you to do something for the, I need like all the people out there that are saying that they want all these conditions to change. You want conditions to change for the people on the ground and the next generation. Now you got to start to fucking do things that actually help them. Instead of all this, look at me, I'm boycotting this. I'm on the stage talking about that, but you're not doing anything for anybody. Right. I need people to start putting action to all these words that they've been talking for the last 20 fucking years. I need to actually see something happen and people do things for people instead of telling me about it. Because I am fucking tired whether you are a black thought leader, a GOP congressman or whoever the fuck you are. Because all I hear is talk, talk, talk. And there's not a single fucking action out of a lot of these people that backs up anything they fucking say. And I'm just tired of it. And I'm tired of these gestures that are supposed to mean something, but yet they do nothing for the people that they say they're doing these gestures for. We can close on that. That's a strong close. I do want to bring up one other story really quickly. It's been barely hurt. I only randomly came across it, but a former heavyweight champion, Goran Gogic, a Macedonian was arrested at Miami International Airport because he was part of a drug ring that smuggled 20 tons of cocaine on a single cargo vessel. Wait, 20, Wait, 20 tons. tons. Your truck probably 20 weighed tons? 20 tons. 40,000 pounds. Yes. How did they how were they trying to get it in? It was on a, it was on a, a cargo ship in Philadelphia. Twenty that's a, that's tons. A, that's a that's a lot of cocaine. That's <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. But think, I mean, literally, that is five of your truck worth in weight of cocaine. Anyway, I saw that story. I'm like, that's kind of amazing. Um, how anyone yeah, can compile that much in. The <laughs> All yeah, right. like, that, that, like the fact that you, you just thought, well, we're just going to do it all in one shot. No one will ever figure this out. Like, what, 
I, okay. I. <laughs> anyway, twenty tons. Also, where 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 is that shipping vessel now? Um, I can't I, imagine that they've got it all taken care of. Well, I think we both know that shipping vessel will end up in the hands of some law enforcement agency that will end up in the hands of some other agency that will end up on the streets of various cities in the country, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. I've seen American right. Gangster too many times, and I know it was that was heroin, not cocaine, but, you know, it, it, it's... Same difference. Yeah, exactly. Um, cocaine just sells better in different markets. Um mm. Practically sells itself. <laughs> it does practically sell itself, and this uh, again, I've been honest with my use of cannabis. I've never touched cocaine, and do not intend to unless I make it to the age of ninety. But as the late great Rick James once said, "Cocaine's a hell of a drug." <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, I am uh, about to my location here, so this timed up pretty good. Um, you know. Uh, good show and if you want to go ahead and close this out yep let's close it out we are at whiskey congress on instagram and twitter thank you for listening we're done